0: Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for your love for us. Thank you for how you have been at work in our church for many years, making disciples uh, from many nations. Father, we we thank you that you're bringing more and more, and we pray that you would help us as a church, even as we look to moving to two services. Would you give us wisdom? Uh, Would you give us patience? Uh, Would you, the Lord of the harvest, raise up many willing workers? Father, we pray you would use this not for the sake of our name, for Redeemer's name, but for the sake of Jesus and his name. Would you use this to make more disciples, more drawn out of darkness into your marvellous light? Would you use this to grow us deeper in our walk with you, in our community, in our love for one another? Father, we pray you'd use this for your glory, and we pray that you would speak to us today by your word, shaping us uh, to be more like your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, over the last year, the internet has been flooded by a new kind of art, and that's art generated by AI. Because with the advent of ChatGPT GPT and AI, suddenly people can have art just as they like it. The internet's been full of pictures of Star Wars characters, but just as people like it, sort of in 18th century England, or, or pictures of people getting a picture of themselves, but looking like a lion and living on Mars. You can put in the, the prompts and you can get art just as you like it. I even saw a picture of Jesus taking a selfie of himself and the disciples at the Last Supper. Maybe a bit blasphemous. um, (laughs) But it's not just art where people like to have it just as they like it. Sadly, that same attitude can come to religion. Uh, Many people out in the world will say, I like to think of God as, and they give their desire of what they like to think of God as. It can happen out there, but it can also help happen to people who profess the name of Jesus. People can try to design their own Jesus. I like Jesus, but not so much his church. I like the, the New Testament, but not so much the God of the Old Testament. Um, I like Jesus, but maybe the, the things he said about wrath and judgment, they, they were translated wrong, Surely. Uh, Maybe I'll have Jesus as my saviour, but not Jesus as Lord of my sex life or my bank account. Or we can take Jesus and assume that, well, he's getting on board with, with our agendas. I want to get rich, so Jesus is useful as long as he helps me get rich. I want to be comfortable, so Jesus is useful as long as he'll make me happier. Uh, People in all kinds of ways can try to have Jesus, but as they like him, Uh, a kind of designer religion. Today, as we come to the book of Judges, we'll see there's no more Judges. Uh, At this point in the history of Israel, the Judges have come and gone, and we're going to meet some everyday people. But what we're going to see in the book of Judges is that, well, everyday Israel We'll had resorted to designer religion. They were worshipping God in the way that was right in their own eyes. Uh, we'll see some different stories that point to designer gods, designer religion, and then we'll see that those gods just can't save because only the true and living God can save. Uh, we start here in chapter 17 where we meet Uh, a man, Micah, and his designer gods. We're told in 17 verse 1, there was a man in the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And the name Micah means who is like the Lord. Like that's a promising name, but things go downhill from here. He said to his mother, the 1,100 pieces of silver that were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse and also spoke it in my ears, behold that silver is with me I took it and what might seem like some nice repentance from a son well quickly goes bad already we've seen this guy well he's broken some of the 10 commandments he's stolen and he's definitely not honored his mother and father Uh, but here he repents He, he owns up probably not because he feels bad about it but because he heard his mother utter a curse. And now he's worried about some bad luck. He says, well, maybe I I should tell her. And things seem to look up. His mother said, blessed be my son by the Lord. Maybe this curse will turn to blessing. But this turns out to not just be a happy family reunion, uh, we see that this is the, the beginning of a great departure from true worship. Uh, first, do you notice how much silver she gave for the idol? Um, as he said, he would restore 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother. His mother said, I dedicate the silver to the Lord. Uh, I'm going to restore all of this to you, God. Yet of the 1,100 pieces of silver, how much does she actually hand over? Well, 200, 18%. She doesn't dedicate it all to the Lord. She gives 18% of it to the Lord. And the the bigger problem is this money that she gives to the Lord, well, she uses to make a carved image, a metal image, an idol. What's been causing Israel to stumble throughout the book of Judges? Idols. What's been drawing them away from the true and living God? Idols. Yet here, Micah's mother consecrates the silver to the Lord, gives part of it, and uses it to make an idol. Uh, We're told it then sits in her son's house, and her son doesn't just keep it around because, like, hey, my mother gave me this gift, I've got to keep it. Uh, He gets in on the action too. In verse 5, the man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod and household gods, and ordained one of his sons who became his priest. This man Micah creates a full worship setup in his own home. He no longer needs to go to uh, the central place, the place that everyone else does to worship the Lord. Now he's got his own gods, he's got his own idols. He even calls one of his sons a priest. Now he can worship from the comfort of his home. We're told in those days, if there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That sums it up well. Micah was into my kind of God religion. He was into designer religion. He designed his own gods, uh, what he could do from home. And well, Micah well, should have known Deuteronomy 12, Deuteronomy 12 had warned about this. Uh, in Deuteronomy 12, 4 and verse 10 and verse 13 repeated the same idea. It said that when you enter the land, you'll only worship in the place the Lord will choose. You go to the place the Lord has chosen and there you go and there you worship. But Micah has said, well, I can worship from home. I'll just get all the right stuff. I've got some gods. I've got an ephod, I've now got a priest, my son. And he thinks he can worship in his way. Deuteronomy 12 verse 8 said, You shall not do according to all that we're doing here today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. And that's what the writer of Judges tells us Well, now Israel is doing. In those days there was no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's the first picture of Micah and his mother, designer gods, but we'll see they're not the only ones who fall prey to designer religion. In 17 verse 3, we hear that there was a young man of Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed from the town of Bethlehem in Judah to sojourn where he could find a place. And as he journeyed, he came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah. And Micah said to him, where do you come from? And he said, I'm a Levite of Bethlehem in Judah, and I'm going to sojourn where I find a place. So it starts off innocent enough. This is a Levite from the tribe who were to be priests, and and that That tribe, the Levites, they weren't given a particular part of land to live in when they entered the promised land. They were told that the Lord would be their inheritance. They were to serve the Lord. The other tribes were to take care of them. He'd been there in Judah, but now this Levite was wandering around. Um, And Micah says to him, Well, stay with me and be to me a father and a priest and I'll give you 10 pieces of silver a year and a suit of clothes and your living. Micah sees a chance for an upgrade. He's already got his worship at home set up, but now he can get rid of his son and get a real Levite as a priest. Uh, Micah is creating his own designer religion because now he's found a real Levite. And while... This Levite was meant to have God as as his inheritance. This Levite was to be given priestly clothes. Well, Micah says, well, I'll give you a job. Um, I'll give you a suit of clothes. I'll pay you. And we're told, verse 10, the Levite went in. The Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man became to him like one of his sons. And Micah ordained the Levite, and the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Micah was into creating his own religion. He was into design a religion. But so with this Levite. A Levite was meant to be a priest to point others to God. His inheritance was meant to be the Lord. Yet this Levite took a bit of silver, um, a nice house, and he took up a job. We're told he was ordained. He was declared to be, to be fit for ministry well, by Micah himself. This Levite was self interested, um, and the writer can't even bear to really call him a Levite anymore. We're told the young man became to him like one of his sons, the young man became his priest. This Levite was no longer God's priest, Uh, he was Micah's personal priest. Micah has bought religious services. Micah's got this full worship set up, now with a proper Levite. And in verse 13, he says, Now I know that the Lord will prosper me, because I have a Levite as a priest. He's got the full set. Uh, So now God has to bless him. Now Micah, I'm guessing he might have had actually a verse from Deuteronomy 12 on his phone. You know, we can take verses out of context and not look at the verses around them. Uh, Micah might have had this this verse on his phone, Deuteronomy 12, verse 7. Uh, There you shall eat before the Lord your God. You shall rejoice, you and your households, in all you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. Micah spoke about the Lord Yahweh, the God of Israel. Uh, Micah believed that this Lord would bless him. Yet Micah was ignoring even the rest of Deuteronomy 12 that said, you worship in my way, in the place that I give you and nowhere else. Micah was using the priest and his gods and God himself as a lucky charm. But sadly, that, that kind of thinking can creep into our trust in the Lord. Do you ever, you ever tempted to think, now the Lord will prosper me because I've prayed the right prayer? Now the, I know the Lord will prosper me because I've been reading my Bible every day. Now I know the Lord will prosper me because, well, I've become a member of the church. He's got to prosper me now. Well, here we're reminded that, well, we don't manipulate God. We don't collect all the right things so that God has to bless us. That's designer religion that says, I'm choosing this verse, this verse that says God has to bless me, or I'm going to choose this verse uh, that, that God is just love without accepting who the true and living God actually is. Micah, the priest. Well, they went all in on designer religion, but next we'll see that designer religion can't save. As you go home, you can read all of chapter 18, but let's just notice a few things uh, from from Judges 18. Here we meet the tribe of the Danites, Uh, and the Danites, they hadn't been going well. Earlier in Judges, they tried to take the land that they'd been promised, and then they gave up. And at this point, it looks like they've given up. They're not down by the coast uh, trying to take the land that God has given them. They're wandering around looking for somewhere else to live. They're not the the, the coastal land that God gave them, but they're up, up here in the hills. They send some spies to come and look for appropriate land. And these spies come upon, well, our friend Micah. When they were by the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of the young Levite. And they turned aside and said to him, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? They might have recognized his accent or or something. What's your business here? And he said to them, well, this is how Micah dealt with me. He's hired me and I've become his priest. And they knew it was pretty weird for a Levite to be hanging out here. They knew it didn't belong. But they see an opportunity, also an opportunity for blessing. They said to him, inquire of God, please, that we may know whether the journey on which we're setting out will succeed. And the priest said to them, "Well, go in peace, the journey on which you go is under the eye of the Lord. This priest blesseth them and says, yes, God is with you, the Lord, uh, he's going to bless you. But God hadn't told them to take land in this area. God had given them land down by the coast. Uh, But they had found someone, they'd found a priest who was willing to bless their agenda. We want to take some easier land and we found a religious leader who will say, oh yeah, God will bless you in this. And we're told in verse 7, well, the five men departed and came to Laish and saw the people who were there, how they lived in security after the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and unsuspecting, lacking nothing that the earth is possessing and possessing wealth, and how they were far from the Sidonians and had no dealings with anyone. Hey, to take the land that God had promised them, that was going to require some hard fights against the Philistines. Yet here they found a quiet, unsuspecting people. In Laish, no one will hear you scream. They said, hey, we could attack these and no one will know. They're unsuspecting. They're going to be easy. And isn't it convenient that what is easy, they find someone who says, well, oh yeah, God will bless that. Yeah, you you take the easy option, you you attack the quiet, unsuspecting people with no one to help, yeah, that's definitely God's will for you. Uh, And the story rolls on from there, verse 9, they they come back to the camp and say, Arise, let us go up against them, we've seen the land, it's good, will you do nothing, Uh, do not go slow, enter in and possess the land, Uh, as soon as you go, you'll come on an unsuspecting people. So they send 600 people with the apparent blessing of the Lord to do what's easy and to just do what their own hearts want. They're doing what's right in their own eyes. They try to take a land for themselves from the most unsuspecting and the most defenseless people. But they've got an important stop to make on the way. Verse 14, the five men who'd gone out to scout the country of Laith said to their brothers... Do you know that in the houses, that in these houses there are an ephod, household gods, a carved image, and a metal image? Now, therefore, consider what you're to do. He said, This guy Micah has some cool stuff in his house. If you're going to plunder these cities, you might want to make a stop on the way. And they know what to do. Verse 18 when these went into Micah's house, they took the carved image, the ephod, the household gods, and the metal image. The priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, keep quiet, put your hand on your mouth, and come with us, and be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for you to be a priest of a house of one man, or to be a priest to a tribe and a clan of Israel? And the priest's heart was glad. He he took the ephod and household gods and the carved image and went along with the people. So these people have seen what they wanted. They'd seen what was right in their their eyes. They said, well, we're going to take that. Uh, We're going to take the city we want from unsuspecting people. Uh, We see some cool worship gear and we're going to steal that too. And we see the priest, who's only out for himself, well, he sees an opportunity for a promotion. They're going to give him more money. He'll be a priest now, not just to one man, but to a tribe. We're told the priest's heart was glad. This was a good day for this priest, apparently. And then they get back to their mission. Verse 27. The people of Dan took what Micah had made and the priests who belonged to him, and they came to Laish, to a people quiet and unsuspecting, and struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire. There was no deliverer because it was far from Sidon and they had no dealings with anyone. <clears throat> Here we get a picture of people doing what is right in their own eyes. They've stopped living for the true God, they've stopped looking to his word. Uh, in Israel, in this day, people did what was right in their own eyes. They worshipped in the way that was right in their own eyes. They acted in the way that was right in their own eyes. And when people are doing that, well, the strongest take what they want because we're just doing what's right in our own eyes. We're told in verse 28, they rebuilt the city and lived in it and they named this city Dan after the name of Dan, their ancestor, who was born to Israel. And you can actually visit, if you go to Israel, you can visit uh, the gate of Laish. It's still there. It gets called Abraham's Gate. Uh, But here in verse 30, we're told, The people of Dan set up the carved image for themselves. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Moses, and his sons were priests to the tribe of the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. So this priest, this corrupt priest who was only out for himself, who gave out his religious services to the highest bidder, we find out this, he is a descendant of Moses. This shows us how far the nation of Israel had fallen. They were not living with God as their king. They had no king, so they were doing what was right in their own eyes And this shows us that, well, designer religion can't save. This passage shows us designer religion can't save and designer religion can't change. Uh, We see that, well, the gods that Micah set up were powerless to save him. The gods and the blessing that Micah was so sure of because he had his own Levite and his own idols, well, they let him down. You look back at verse 22, when they'd gone a distance from the home of Micah, the men who were in the house near Micah's house were called out and they overtook the people of Dan and they shouted to the people of Dan who turned around and said to Micah, what's the matter with you that you've come out with such a company? And he said, you take my gods uh, that I made and the priest and go away and what have I left? How then do you ask me what's the matter with you? He said you've taken my stuff of course I'm upset and the people of Dan say to him don't let your voice be heard among us lest angry fellows fall upon you and you lose your life with the lives of your household then the people of Dan went their way and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him he turned and went back to his home see Micah had put his hope in false idols. Micah had put his hope in a God of his own making. He liked to call this God Yahweh, the Lord, yet he'd given up on the true Lord a long time ago. And as Micah had put his trust in these gods, as Micah was sure that, he had a real Levite. So surely the Lord had to bless him. Well as he'd abandoned the Lord. Well his his new gods weren't able to save him. Because when people are worshipping what's right in their own eyes, well then they'll just do what is right in their own eyes and whoever's strongest takes what they want. These gods were powerless to save. It also in the people of Dan and well in all these characters we see that these false gods are powerless to change. You want a God who is going to change you well you need a God with a backbone if you've got a a soft God with soft edges who you're just creating a God that looks like you Well, to become for you to become more like that God well you don't need to change because well you've created a God who looks just like you but if you have a God who has some hard edges A God who says some things and does some things and requires some things that you don't always agree with? Well, following that God is going to change you. Becoming like that God, submitting yourself to that God is going to change you. Yet here we see that people weren't trusting the true God. People didn't have a God of his own making. They had a God of their own making. And their gods were powerless to change them they lost all virtue. They lost all goodness. Because when you follow a God who looks just like you, well, you will do what is right in your own eyes and you'll become more like yourself. We you see, designer religion can't save. Designer religion can't change. And so this passage, it, it ends without much hope. It tells us that there was no king in Israel, Uh, that people just did what was right in their eyes. Yet this passage deliberately does that to leave us waiting, to make us long for a king. It makes us long for a priest who's not self-interested, who might actually serve the people, yet it also makes us long for a king and for a true and living God, a God who can actually save and a God who can actually change. And we meet that God. We meet the true and living God in Jesus. In Jesus, we have the God who created the heavens and the earth. In Jesus, we have someone who sometimes said things that we might not like who requires things of us that are hard, that we might not do or choose by ourselves. But in Jesus, we have the true and living God who is, a, who is mighty to save and mighty to change. We hear about this living God, uh, especially in the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians. If you want the answer to Judges 17 and 18, to people who are living for designer gods right in their own eyes? If you want the answer to that, well, look to the Thessalonians and what happened when they met the true and living God. We read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We're told, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labour of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus alone is mighty to change because if you have a God, like I said, who's all soft edges, a God who just does and says whatever you want, well, you don't have a solid basis on which to live your life. Yet we're told that when people meet the Lord Jesus Christ, well, he's the kind of God who can inspire works of faith, labours of love, steadfastness of hope. Because Jesus is the true and living God. Because his word is sure. Because he is the same yesterday, today and forever. Well our hope in him is powerful. He can inspire great works of faith, labours of love. He can actually change us. We continue in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 4. For we know brothers, loved by God, that he's chosen you. Because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power, with the Holy Spirit, with full conviction. You know what kind of man we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Where some people might want a a God of their own making, while well, you might sometimes be tempted to say, I wish God hadn't said that, I wish God didn't require this, well, know that only the true and living God can strengthen you, even to the place of suffering. No one's going to suffer for a self-made God, no one's going to suffer for a designer God because, well, usually this, those designer gods, well, we've created them to give us what we want. And when we suffer, we'll we'll give up on them. Or maybe we get what we want and we give up on them. But we know the God who is the same yesterday and today and forever. We know the God who is the same on the days that we feel good about it and the the days we feel bad about it. We know the God who doesn't change as our hearts go up and down or as our circumstances go up and down and because we know the true and living God, well, we're able to follow him. We're able to serve him. He is able to change us. And for centuries and centuries, God's people have put their hope in the true and living God, the God who is the same yesterday, today and forever. They have lived for him. They have suffered for him. They have served him. He has transformed them and the world that they've become more like him. Only the true and living God can do that. The true and living God can change us because the true and living God saves. Verse 8, we're told, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything for they themselves report concerning the kind of reception we had among you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come Jesus is the true and living God and Jesus alone is mighty to save Because he saves us not just from our circumstances or from worldly things, he's able to save us for eternity. Friends, this chapter, one Thessalonians one, is very precious to me, because when I was seventeen, it was the first sermon I ever heard. I'd never heard a sermon or a Bible talk, but a friend invited me, and I heard one Thessalonians chapter one preached. And God used this passage to open my eyes. I heard this, and I realised that I wasn't worshiping statues or kind of formed idols, but I'd put my hope in worldly things. I trusted that having the right friends was going to make me happy. I trusted that uh, doing well at school and university was going to make secure a good life for me, so that I had to be blessed. Yet in hearing this, I realised that I didn't just need a happy life or good friends or money or, or success or a career. I needed to be rescued from wrath. People serve all kinds of idols, whether it's bowing down to statues or living for their bank account or the approval of others. People serve those idols to get worldly things, to get worldly blessing, to get health, to get rain, to get approval. Yet what we need more than all of those is eternal life. We need to be saved from the wrath to come. And in Jesus, we have the one who alone can deliver us. In Jesus, we have the one who lived the perfect life for us, who died the death we deserve, who rose again so that we might be saved from the wrath to come. So friends, as you look to your God... We'll rejoice that that God isn't a God of our own making. Next time you read something in the Bible that sounds like, oh, I wish God maybe hadn't said that. I wish God didn't ask me to do that. Rejoice that you don't have a God of your own making because that God would be powerless to change you and powerless to save you. Rejoice that we have a true and living God who are the same yesterday, today and forever. That we have a God whose ways are higher than our ways, whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We have a true and living God Who saves, a true and living God who is with us and will never leave us or forsake us. We have a God, Jesus, who can save and can change. And friends, if you're not living for Him, if your hope for the future is in worldly success or comfort, or if your hope For eternity is in what you do, in maybe praying the right prayer or joining the right church. Again, know that you can come to the true and living God. Turn from those idols. Turn from all other things. Trust in Jesus and you'll find him faithful, faithful to save, faithful to change. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is the true and living God. Thank you. Thank you that he said things that sometimes rub us the wrong way. Uh, sometimes, Thank you that he does not reflect us in all of our desires and all of our ambition. Thank you that he alone is God. So, Would you help us to submit ourselves to him? Would you help us to turn from idols? whether those things that are made, whether those things that we hope in of this world, would you help us to trust in Jesus? Would you help us to rejoice in his unchanging word? Would you help us to worship you as you have called us, as you have commanded us? Would all of your word be precious to us? And Father, I pray that everyone here would know the hope of trusting Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come and that all of us would know the privilege, the joy of being transformed from one degree of glory to the next, from darkness to light into his likeness. Father, thank you that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. So help us rest and rejoice in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.